Welcome to the Online Course Masters Show, where we learn from the best online course creators how to better create and sell our very own courses. I'm your host, Phil Ebner, and I'm excited to chat with Kristen Palana, an online course creator and artist based in Rome, Italy. She teaches tens of thousands of students color psychology, color therapy, graphic design, web design, illustration, creativity, crowdfunding, and much more. And I'm so excited to get her best advice for you. Visit OnlineCourseMasters.com for show notes to watch the video version of this episode and see an archive of all our past guests. Please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. The one thing you can do for me is leave a review for the show, which helps us expand to an even larger audience. Thanks, and let's get straight to the interview. Hi, Kristen. Welcome to the Online Course Master Show. I'm so excited to have you here, and I know it feels like we know each other because we've been in the same circles online for a while and we've interacted, but we've actually never chatted before. So thank you for giving me some of your time to be on the show. My pleasure. I'm so excited to be meeting you, e-meeting you for the first time and uh, actually getting to have a chat. So this is great. Yeah, well, Kristen is in Myanmar for everyone listening. And it's just amazing that we as online entrepreneurs can (laughs) chat online and create podcasts and awesome content like this. And so for everyone listening, Kristen has uh, been on Udemy for a while and it's also on a number of other platforms teaching online courses. She's an artist. And uh, for everyone listening, can you talk a little bit more about your background and what you were doing before you started creating online courses? Sure. So um, let's see, I've been doing online courses about two and a half years now. And it seems like uh, I've only been doing it about two months. It's just amazing how time flies. But um, before that, I've been a a quote unquote traditional university professor before that, um, which has helped and hurt. Uh, because there, you know, there are differences between teaching online and teaching a classroom of uh, captive students. So those were things I had to learn along the way. But um, I've been teaching university students since 2000, which uh, even more uh, shocking is that that was 17 years ago now. Um, so I actually started uh, a little bit like you, Phil. You're in your 20s, so I started teaching university students when I was 20. Three twenty-four. I think it was like wow. That's two to do, yeah. that's impressive. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah. I mean, it's because of my field. I'm in the arts, so the terminal degree in uh, fine and digital arts is the MFA, which you, I got when I was twenty-five. Whereas other disciplines, you're usually in your thirties by the time you get out of school. So I just happened to be uh, finishing up my degree and was uh, lucky enough that I got hired right out of school. Actually, I was still a graduate student when I started teaching my first class. So the students were about my age, maybe two years younger than me. And it's just funny how over 17 years, how it slowly, you know, you slowly get older. They suddenly don't get your 80s jokes anymore. Then they don't get your 90s jokes anymore. So, (laughs) (laughs) but but, um, anyway, long story short. So uh, I started teaching uh, on Udemy was my first online platform. And the way I got started was... um, I'm in uh, fine and digital arts, multimedia, video, web design, animation. And uh, we had this meeting at my university. They were talking about uh, offering online courses. And I thought to myself, oh, I'm a professor of digital media. And not only have I never taught an online course, I've never even taken one. So I started um, doing some research. And that's kind of how I 
got involved. I slowly started taking online courses. And then I said, wow, that's kind of cool. Let me try teaching. And um, yeah, and that's where actually where you come in. Because um, <laughs> one of the first things I did was take the free Udemy, you know, how to make a course course, um, which was the mm -hmm. default one. And then I think I came across yours and I said, oh, that looks really good. Uh, but uh, at the time, I think it was uh, $300 or something. So I put it on my wish list. And then a, two weeks later, I got an email from Udemy that it was on sale. <laughs> and so yeah, I perfect. <laughs> Yeah, I learned one of the things about Udemy is that they have a lot of sales, so you don't have to pay necessarily the full price. Uh, so I bought your course, and uh, and then I got the book because I actually prefer when I can to read about things as opposed to doing video courses, which is kind of funny. That's awesome. Well, I hope the course helped. I, sometimes I look back on all of my courses, but especially that one, I'm like, uh, I hope I'm really <laughs> actually teaching people. <laughs> no, it was it was very helpful. Um, What's funny is, you know, there are so many different learning styles. I'm not uh, not sure what yours is, but uh, I actually uh, prefer, I'm a visual learner and I'm also a reader. So when I can get the content of something in a book and I can kind of go sit by myself somewhere, I tend to absorb the information much better than if I'm listening to a professor where it's very passive learning, where they're just talking at you and you're writing down notes, or if I'm watching a video course. Sometimes I like video courses, but anyway, so I actually um, took your your video course, but I also read the book that was, I think, modeled after your course. I'm not sure if it's the same exact, I think it was pretty much the same, right? It was, yeah, it was pretty, I took that course and just turned it into an ebook. Uh, yeah. So, well, that's cool. And I'll be the first to say that I'm actually a terrible online student. I <laughs> do not do well with online courses. I, I love looking up tutorials on YouTube, but it's probably something that I should work on is, you know, taking more online courses to learn uh, fr from other people's uh, mistakes and also what other people are doing properly. But that's also why I'm doing this podcast to learn from people like you. Uh, so what what um, was your first course about? You mentioned that it was you were at the university and they kind of plugged this idea into your mind about creating online courses. But what was your first courses about and kind of how did you branch out into the rest of your courses? Okay, so actually, before I ever took any Udemy courses, I did this. I don't know. I got sucked into this program. It's... Um, the University for Peace in Costa Rica. It's a UN university, and they had this, um, oh, what was it, Diploma in Social Innovation. And it was, a, it was a series of five online courses that you have to take in 18 months. So I took, uh, I don't know if there's a such thing as a traditional online course, but I took the kind that most people take with uh, with a university where there's a prof there's a professor you know you take it over mm -hmm. the course of 4 weeks you have to do weekly assignments and do a webinar and all of that stuff so i really enjoyed that and actually it's funny because now i teach for them so that's another one of the things that i'm i'm doing aside from udemy so that was like nice. a more quote unquote interactive uh, online course but then um, with udemy yeah, as you know, you're creating this content which you're putting out there, putting up audio content, and there's maybe some text stuff in there, but you're probably not going to do a, a chat with them. So uh, so that was kind of something weird to wrap my, my mind around. But um, I ended up, uh, my first course is called Life Hack with Color Psychology, Increase Your Influence. 
it makes me laugh the title because that was actually after a lot of tweaking and kind of learning like, okay, with online students, you don't have this department in your university responsible for enrollment and, you know, like marketing and getting people mm-hmm. in the door. You've got to get people interested in your course yourself. What a concept, right? So um, it's actually not far off from the original title. I think I did call it Life Hack with Color Psychology Increase Your Impact or something. It was just a minor change. But anyway, so it's a course uh, about color psychology, and it was based on a lecture that I would do for freshman students uh, at um, and basically all the universities I've ever been at where they're kind of coming through the door. They don't really know what they want to major in. So it's really this multidisciplinary topic where I get students to think about color, you know, something they've been using their whole lives and how it can make them appear more confident in a presentation or how they can help calm someone down if they're having a fight. If they use the right colors, they can actually diffuse the situation or uh, what color to wear to a job interview so they appear more um, uh, hireable. (laughs) Yeah, so that was my first one. And, you know, it's uh, what, two, two and a half years old. It's still one of my most popular courses. And uh, just a couple of months ago, I teamed up with a Sharon Rammel. She's a, a guru, spiritual yogi in Australia. And we did a color therapy course together to complement that one. So it's kind of come full circle lately. Nice. Well, that's yeah. awesome. And one thing I love about looking at your courses, and I kind of watched, I, I'm actually enrolled in that first color therapy course. <laughs> cool. and. Uh, um, I just love how there's a lot of consistency with all of your courses. And for people listening, uh, they can find Kristen's courses and website and more information at kpalana, P-A-L-A-N-A dot com. If you're listening or watching and you want to just follow along and see some of her courses. So that's awesome. Can we fast forward a little bit and talk about from... Two and a half years ago, when you launched your first course, you had no clue if it was going to make any sales or or anything at all. Where are you today in terms of your online courses and any how how has it changed your life? Okay, um, it's amazing how one little thing that you do can have such a ripple effect on your life later. You know, I was just kind of doing it as a fun. I, I was like, oh, you know. Uh, I had just finished up one of my multimedia animations where they go in film festivals and I didn't feel like jumping into another animation project. I just wanted to play around. I was intrigued with online courses. It just kind of, you know, certain projects kind of take you over. So I put all my energy into that that first course, right? Um, And uh, maybe this is uh, pure beginner's luck, but when I finished my course, it was maybe one week before the Black Friday sales. I didn't even know what that was. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know anything about the sales rhythms or, you know, I, I am still very much a marketing sales novice. So I just imagine what I could do with someone that really knows about all of this stuff, but I've been learning. But anyway, so when my first course came out, it was uh, featured as a new and noteworthy course. Uh, I think I put it up and overnight, uh, I guess some people stumbled into it and, uh, were leaving reviews. So that then made it eligible to be in the new and noteworthy section where Udemy features the course somewhere on, you know, a more prominent page. And, um, my first day, I think I made 300 bucks 
Um, wow. Yeah, which never happens, by the way, beginners, especially if you're uh, starting, um, you know, in October or starting starting in April or July, something like that. So that was really unusual. That never happens. And then it kind of trickled off and then it kind of uh, picked up again. So I think maybe my first course, my first month, I made maybe $400. And I was like, wow, this online course thing is really cool, you know. Um, yeah. Excuse me. Uh, sorry, we ha- can we pause just for one second? Yep, yep. Sorry, my pause. one of my sons just woke up. I just wanted to say <laughs> one second. Are you enjoying this episode? We hope you're learning to become a better course creator. If you want to fast track your success, get the free seven-step guide to success at onlinecoursemasters.com. Now let's get back to the show. I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> no problem. No problem whatsoever. <laughs> so then I, so that was my first course and I made a lot of money with all of these forces beyond my control, but in a good way, helping me, the wind at my back, so to speak. And then December came around and the, the sales dropped off because, you know, I didn't know anything about marketing. I didn't know how Udemy worked. I was new on the platform and your video your first month was i think your first goal was twenty dollars and then i think you met your goal yeah i made i made sixty two dollars in my first month oh okay okay so i'm only i only beat you by ten dollars my second month so uh yeah so then and then the month after that you know it, it dropped off and i don't think back back then there wasn't this big bump in january like we have luckily knock on wood have been experiencing the last two years so yeah, so it started off high, then went low, and then I just did a lot, a lot of work trying to figure out, okay, I made my second course, I had to learn how to email my, or um, send announcements to my students, um, how to build up slowly uh, a following, um, which was an incredibly good experience. So where am I now? Um, two and a half years later. Okay, so as you know, it fluctuates depending on the month and you know what time of year it is and if I've put out a new course. I think at the beginning, I was pretty good about making a new course every one to three months. So right now, I think I have 16 courses. First of all, I never want to force myself. If it's not fun, then I don't want to do it. So I'm not, uh, I, I have read some books by other people where they're trying to put out two courses a month, and that just seems like a chore to me. So yeah. Uh, Yeah, so I'm just trying to follow a natural rhythm. When I want to do a course, I do it. And if I don't, I'll just turn my energy somewhere else. But um, I would say uh, Udemy alone, I would say I make between 500 to 1,500 a month, depending on the month from Udemy alone, which is good. And it's great because I've done most of the work already. And now it's just, you know, answering students questions and when they when they ask and that kind of thing and then with other platforms and other online teaching I would say it's between one and three thousand a month from online teaching and then then that uh, is only part of what I do because then I also teach in person um, here in Myanmar uh, which is new for me Uh, (laughs) And I also do uh, freelance um, illustration and design work. Uh, It certainly made moving halfway around the world a lot easier. I um, am still affiliated with the American University of Rome. I'm still technically 
a tenured associate professor of digital media there, and I'm still technically the director of film and digital media, but I've been away uh, on a leave of absence for about a year and a half now. And it's pro and they I've already spoken with them. They know, so I can say it uh, publicly that it's unlikely that I'm going to be able to be in two places at once. I would as much as I love that university and they've been kind enough to love me back. I cannot teach in Rome, Italy from Yangon, Myanmar. It's kind of impossible. <laughs> so right. it's made, it's made this transition a lot easier knowing that, even as I move into other areas and uh, do work for other universities and companies that I have this income coming in. It's given me, to, long story short, it's been very freeing in allowing me to pursue other things. I don't have the worries that I would have if I were a traditional educator and I'm moving from Rome to Myanmar and things maybe are not materializing at the university in Myanmar or whatever. I don't have those worries like, oh, my gosh, where's my money going to come from? I have these other things going. That is, I mean, exactly what online courses is about. And I think that's what a lot of people want to where people want to get to is having just a little bit of extra money. This isn't going to become a full time thing for for most people, but it, it can really become a little bit of extra money just to cushion those changes, whether it's changing jobs or moving to a new city. And from what I see, and if people look on your website, you're, you're everywhere now and you're on <laughs> Skillshare, you're on Udemy and you've got YouTube and your website and blog. And so you're doing, it seems like so, so much work. And then on top of this, you're, you're teaching uh, at an actual university. So how do you balance all that and what's like a typical day like for you trying to balance your online business and also just your your family and your your job <laughs> yeah uh it'd be funny if you um decide either to cut out or include that part where my son just uh, interrupted our, <laughs> our conversation because he was waking up yeah. um uh, yeah i have two uh sons uh seven and five and they're super energetic <laughs> But a, a typical day for me is really atypical for most people, and it kind of you know changes from day to day. Especially now that I'm in Myanmar. Myanmar is such a cool country. Uh, by the way, uh, I didn't know if I would like it <laughs> when we moved uh -huh. here. We're doing this thing where when I moved to Rome, Italy, I was living in, I was teaching at William Patterson University, yeah, New Jersey, um, just outside of New York City. And uh, a, a university I really loved in the art department there. And I got a job just kind of on a whim. I wasn't really looking for work, but my husband and I, we were only married maybe two years at that time. We were starting to get itchy feet and we were wondering, oh, would it, wouldn't it be cool if we lived in a Mediterranean country? And then it was just a bit of a daydream. So uh, I ended up working in uh, Italy, uh, getting the job, uh, just a, finding on their website that they were hiring and applying for fun, not really looking. And then they ended up calling me for a phone interview. And then before I knew nice. it, I was on an airplane uh, for a real interview. And then um, we both had good jobs in the New York City area, but I got this job in Rome and it took him about uh, almost a year to join me in Rome. So he followed me to Rome, and uh, then when we decided we wanted to move on from Rome, uh, he took the lead this time around. So he's with the World Food Program. That's the UN organization that feeds people in disasters or, you know, if there's an earthquake or Neat. 
famine or, you know, that kind of thing. So we, we're, uh, their headquarters is in Rome and uh, a typical okay. day. Yeah, a typical. So I said, you know what? Uh, you followed me to Rome, so I'll follow you to Myanmar, even though uh, I have this lifetime. I mean, basically a tenured uh, job is very rare these days uh, for a professor. It's basically a lifetime contract. So there's been a lot of uh, forces at work, like, oh, my gosh, I must be so stupid to turn down this lifetime contract in Rome. But, you know, it feels right to us to have made this move. So we're here. And a typical day for me is uh, we get up, uh, we run around like crazy trying to get everyone ready. I drop my kids off at their school. It's an international school, but it's mostly Myanmar kids. So they've got this immersion in the local culture, which is cool. But then it's an American. Oh, that's curriculum. awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. I love this school. Um, Thalon International School. It's only in Myanmar, I believe. But um, so I drop them off there. And then I'll go to my office at American University of Myanmar. So I became, uh, I basically, they weren't hiring. <laughs> I just uh, said, hey, I'm moving to Myanmar. I have all this experience at American University of Rome and I do online teaching. And so they um, met with me and appointed me a visiting associate professor of digital media while I'm here. So I have an office there and I might work on my book. Uh, I, I do, thanks to you to me and thanks to you, Phil, I started uh, writing books uh, for Amazon, some that go with my courses and others that are that go off into other topics like living and working abroad is the current topic I'm working on. So I might work on my book. Um, and my co-author is a fellow Udemy instructor, Jacqueline Seidel. So we're back and forth working on this book. Um, I might record a couple of lessons for a new online course. Uh, I may go and teach for a couple of hours. I'm helping. I'm not teaching for the university right now because they're in between enrolling students. So I'm teaching uh, at this uh, creative agency called Mango Group, which is so funny because it's named after this tropical fruit and I'm in Myanmar. Um, but they're these creative professionals. So I might go teach there. Uh, it's actually Thursdays that I teach with them. Um, what else? Yeah, I mean... And, and, wow, well, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel bad because it's actually quite a lot of stuff going on and there's even other stuff, so... Well, that's really cool about the books and I kind of want to hear about that, uh, more about that too, but um, uh, I want to hear about your experience teaching in person versus online courses. I think you mentioned something about it was a good and bad thing to have be a university professor. And you're the only one that I've talked to on this podcast who has actual, I would say, traditional teaching experience. So what did you learn about online courses from teaching in your classes? And maybe what mistakes did you make as well? You know, with a regular classroom, you come in, you walk in, and everybody's more or less going to be there for the next hour and a half. You don't have to worry. I mean, uh, assuming you have a good policy uh, that they can't check their smartphones and surf the Internet, you know, while they're taking the live class, then you know that they're going to be with you the next uh, hour and a half. So you can you have the luxury of building up to a crescendo. You know, like I like to make my courses interesting in person, obviously, as well as online if I can. And so... I may start out slowly, but then do some big surprise or have the aha moment be more towards the end of class. 
But with an online course, you don't get that luxury because they may check out after five minutes. If you haven't caught their attention in the first, you know, one to two minutes, they, you know, forget your aha moment, forget your grand climactic moment in the class that's 40 minutes uh, in, they're not even going to be there to see that. And on top of it, they'll give you a crap review, right? Yeah, I don't know if you do it anymore either, but I noticed in your for your online course that I took about online courses is you had this bio that I think was uh, maybe five minutes long, and I think oh, yeah. that's great because that's something that that's something that you do in an in-person course. You get to know the students, eye contact, and people are interested, and you can tell if they're interested because you're looking at them. And if they seem to be bored, you just do something else. But with an online student, you can't see. You don't have that feedback, so you don't know if you're interesting or not. So one thing that I changed is I just I used to have like a not a long bio, but I had a two minute bio, and now I just maybe introduce myself thirty seconds into my intro lecture. So I combine now with my new courses an intro lecture and then thirty seconds about me, which is it's not easy to introduce yourself in thirty seconds and and cover all the right things and be interesting because I had gotten a few um, comments from students like, oh, it takes so long to get started, you know, that (laughs) kind of thing. So, yeah, you have to be interesting in the first couple of minutes. You have to give them a nugget of information that uh, is exciting and interesting in maybe the first five minutes. And uh, yeah, you can't. Uh, you don't know if the student's going to take your le- the student's going to take your lessons in order, or if they're going to finish them. All of those things. So those are important things for traditional educators to know because you got the the captive audience for an hour and a half to three hours, however long your course is, and then you know that because they paid for this course and you assume that they want to pass the course, that they're going to be with you for fourteen weeks. So that's a, a huge difference. That is really good in, info. And I think your idea about creating a book or a course or some other training for traditional educators who want to create their online course is a great idea. And on, on that topic, what advice do you have for those types of people, but also just in general for new instructors on coming up with a topic for their first online course? Okay, so I think there are two schools of thought on coming up with course ideas. There's the marketer's approach. People search uh, keywords and they, they think about in advance what are topics that people are interested in and could potentially become really popular. And I think that's a very smart approach. <laughs> I, on the other hand, am not so smart. I I tend to just, uh, maybe because I'm more of an artist and more right-brained, I tend to do course topics. First, I started with just things that I'm generally interested in and have expertise in. I think you have to have that as well. You can't just search keywords and say, oh, um, underwater basket weaving is so hot right now. I'm going to make a course on it, and I don't know anything about it. So it does does have to be a balance. But for me, I'm much more loosey-goosey about it. I do courses uh, based on what I know, what I'm interested in, and uh, it might not have much to do with the last course I did. So I don't try to make them all about web design, for example. I have courses on crowdfunding, color um, psychology, color therapy, which are all three very different areas. Um, I did one most recently on freelancing for artists, but then I also have stuff on, you know, WordPress. 
It's just whatever I feel like working on. Some are a big hit. Others uh, are slow to burn. Uh, but as long as I'm happy making them, and I thankfully I have a lot of students that take one of my courses and then they say, oh, I like her style. And then they decide to take more of my courses. So that helps, definitely. Well, that's a, I think that's the exact strategy that I follow. <laughs> my courses are on all kinds of topics. And I didn't really start doing good keyword research um, until more recently. And it's something that, uh, yes, it will help you maybe make more money faster. But also when you're starting out, it's important just to have fun with it and to see if you even like teaching online courses. So just picking something that you love uh, and going from there is, I think, good advice. Mm -hmm. So when you started on Udemy and you saw that this could be an actual business, um, did you have a website before your online courses or did that come afterwards? Um, I had one. It was a more of an online portfolio and it was really just kind of like, here's my work, Here's like a bio. Here's how to contact me. And uh, that's it. I don't even think I think I did blog once in a while, but maybe it would be like once every two months, once every six months. I, I can't get too smug because uh, I, I like to try to blog every two weeks. I mean, I know I should probably be doing it more often, but I just can't. <laughs> but uh, I think the last time I blogged was around New Year's, you know, the New Year's post. So I am, uh, mm-hmm. what, it's like 20, 20 days ago. So I, uh, yeah, I'm kind of getting getting away from my normal goal of every one to two weeks. But um, my website now is much more interactive. It has, you know, the my educator section. My You can find my online courses. I have I started illustration and freelance services, so that's on my website. So it's definitely changed a bit since the beginning. So with your courses, you're promoting them on your own site. What about promoting the new courses on Udemy? This is something I haven't talked to many people about on this podcast, Mm -hmm. but what's your strategy when you launch a new course? Promoting a course. So I don't know. Honestly, I'm still figuring it out. I don't know if I'm even doing it right still, (laughs) two and a half years in. But um, one thing I've traditionally done is uh, first I've built up uh, social proof. So that is, you know, getting students in the course. So I may, um, I have my own uh, Facebook page. So I'll give a certain number of free coupons to people that follow me on Facebook um, and uh, maybe in my newsletter as well. So I have a mailing list now, which I didn't have before. It's not a huge mailing list, but uh, I like to give people a reason to open my emails. So <laughs> so usually with every email I send, there may be a, something in there. It could be a free uh, limited number of free coupons to an older course or a uh, free book for one day or, you know, that kind of thing. So that's uh, one way to get people in the door. Uh, These days, uh, you know, in the early days, I would give away like a thousand coupons. I don't really do that so much anymore. I don't have to do that anymore, thankfully, because now I've got about 30,000 online students on Udemy. Uh, Some of them are in private courses. So I think a little over 20,000 show up in my profile there. And then I have a few thousand other students on other platforms. So I don't have to give away so many freebies because there are a lot of people that will buy the course as soon as it comes out. Uh, And I'll give a a launch discount as well. So that's another way that I promote courses. So I usually I start out with my closest uh, friends and online instructors. I offer them 
like a free review copy. So if they're interested in my topic, they will come in um, as a student. And if I'm lucky, they'll take the course and maybe they'll leave a review. So that's great because I think uh, getting students in the door and getting a couple of reviews are very important uh, in the first week if you can. Um, and then I will um, send a promotional announcement uh, to my students, letting them know that there's a new course. And here is a launch coupon so you can get it at the very best price. Um, and I'm actually at a point now where I'm not giving out so many free coupons. So like maybe I'll give out um, 50 to 100 at the most, and then the rest are sales. Whereas at the beginning... I didn't have so many students, I needed to kind of build up the, uh, my student base. And one thing that new people will find is just because uh, you have a lot of free students, it doesn't necessarily mean that any of those people, A, care <laughs> about your yeah. course or, or are the right students for that course, and B, would sh spend money uh, later on. I mean, many of them do. But many of them do not. So just be careful about getting 100,000 free students because one thing that will happen is the free students are the meanest ones and we're, <laughs> are, more like, are more likely to leave you a bad review because they somehow got into your course because they meanwhile also got a free course on you know, mechan you know, fixing the car and um, I don't know, growing pineapples and your web design course. <laughs> and they, maybe they take 5% of the course and say, oh, that's too basic for me. I already know, da, 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 da. So they'll leave you a two-star review and then that can actually hurt you later. So be careful, uh, be, be generous, but remember sometimes, uh, what is the expression? No good deed goes unpunished. So just be careful. You want to try to get the right audience. So don't just give out a bunch of uh, free coupons to a whole bunch of people that have, are not your ideal student, try to maybe target it a bit better on your own Facebook page of people that already like your courses or maybe like you could target groups. Uh, like, for example, I have a course on uh, making a website in Divi, so I may offer coupons in the Divi users group, that kind of thing. Got it. That's really good advice. And I think before Udemy was this place where when you actually search for courses, it did show the total students. So that like incentivizes instructors to try to get as many students in their courses as possible. But now since that's not as prominent, it's more about the reviews. Yeah, you really got to focus on getting coupons to people who actually care about your course. So that's really good advice. You had mentioned a couple other platforms that I'm on, um, but I haven't talked about it on this podcast, like Curious.com and, of course, uh, with Curious specifically and um, these other platforms and even Skillshare, is there any advice you have for putting your courses on there or have you just kind of just tested everything out and these are the ones that are bringing in a little bit of revenue? Well, uh, one of our online colleagues, uh, Mark Timberlake, he just put out this great blog post that lists a whole bunch of other platforms, and some of them I hadn't even heard of, and he mentions you, I think, and one of them was like an Adobe, what is it, Adobe Adobe uh, know-how. Yes, yes. So I, I sent them an email last week just to see, uh, you know, so I, I think, um, okay, so advice. I would say start with Udemy. Um, make that your main one if you can, because that's the one where you have the most chance. I mean, it actually, I think it depends also the kind of courses you do. So some platforms may be more 
tech oriented. Others might be better for like arts and crafts. Like for example, Skillshare tends to be more artsy. You know, like if you're making jewelry or you're doing sculpture or painting, it could be a better platform than Udemy. Um, there's all these other platforms, and they each kind of have their own target audience. So it's a good idea to kind of get a, an idea of who their target audience is. But if you're like me, I've got a, different kinds of courses, and they tend to do okay on these different platforms. So I would say start with Udemy. Um, my second one was SkillFeed, but that one went belly up. So it's also a good idea not to put all your eggs in one basket. So don't just do Udemy. I don't think think I hope <laughs> Udemy doesn't go belly up like SkillFeed does. But with the online realm, things change so quickly. You never know, right? So um, Skillshare is, I think, a good second one to do. Um, and what I do is I just um, take existing Udemy courses and I put them up on Skillshare, but then they just changed um, their their model. So now it's actually better if you have longer courses because they pay instructors based on minutes viewed versus new enrollments. So before it was better to have shorter courses because then new students could kind of take them and digest them quicker. Um, and now if you have longer courses and people are engaged, then they'll watch them and then they, you get paid by the, the minutes and seconds that they watch. So I would say um, don't make a new course for every platform. That would be <laughs> difficult. See if you can get a lot of mileage out of existing content. And then if you need to make a new lecture for such and such a platform, like a new intro or package it in a different way, like maybe with Curious.com, for example, their uh, lessons are broken up into smaller chunks. Um, I was lucky that they put up my, they did all of that for me. So I didn't have to put my own courses up there because they had approached me. So one of the nice things, if you do well on Udemy, then sometimes you'll be approached by other platforms. But be careful because some of them are worth your time and other ones are not. But uh, I would say try to take your content and see how you can get the most out of it on different platforms. Just be aware that the more platforms you're on, the more uh, thin you're spreading yourself. So, you know, it, it's a, it can be a bit of a headache if you've got students who are asking you questions on 12 different platforms. You have to remember to check in and make sure that you're interacting with those students. But um, some platforms you never hear from the students ever. So anyway, right. it's something to keep in mind. If you were starting over right now, what social media platform would you focus on to grow your own audience? Hmm. I, uh, I think everybody has a preferred social media platform. Um, mine is Facebook. I just, I like Facebook. I like that platform, but I think I've only got like a little over a thousand people that like my page. And that's not, I mean, it's a lot, but it's not so much. Whereas on Twitter right now, I think I've got almost 20,000 so Twitter uh, is surprisingly effective for me. Um, so I tend to use those two the most. But um, it's really sad, actually. I need to, I don't, for a, a professor of digital media, I tend to actually not use uh, internet on my phone very much. So for that reason, uh, because I, I know myself, I would be on my phone all day long walking around like a zombie. So I purposely keep my phone really stupid. It's not a smartphone. Um, and as a result, I'm not really on Instagram yet. So actually that's on my to-do list this week because, um, I'm on Instagram. I have all these followers, but I don't post to it because I don't have the app on my phone to actually post to it. But, uh, that's on my radar because I'm an artist. And I think if you do a lot of visual stuff, it's good to be on the, 
the visual platforms like Pinterest, Instagram, and that ties in nicely with Facebook and Twitter. It's good to get um, like a post planner or something where you you create content and it posts to the different platforms for you. So you're not sitting there all day, you know, fussing with 20 social media platforms. That would be like shooting yourself in the foot. Who has time for that, right? Um I think Facebook is an important one. Facebook and Twitter are the two main ones. And then I would not go crazy with all the other ones. I would just uh, try them, but don't make yourself crazy over it. Just see which works. What is your audience like? You may find, like I did, like for some reason, Twitter seems to work really well for me. And I don't. I didn't even like Twitter, but at the beginning, I was, oh, Twitter's stupid. And now it's actually one of my go-to uh, platforms. You've been moving around uh, recently. Do you have any plans for the next few years? Where, where do you envision yourself uh, going from here? With me, you just never know, right? Um, so five years from now, I probably won't be in Myanmar um, because we expect to be here maybe about four years. Um, and then we'll probably move on to another duty station, um, World Food Program duty station. And that could be in anywhere, <laughs> probably Africa next time. Yeah. One of our top choices was actually Tanzania, which is actually a place I've taught in person in 2005. I love Tanzania. Um, we were thinking we were going to move there, and then we were surprised when we got Myanmar, but it's worked out great. So I am a flexible person with a slight sense of adventure. Um, so I don't know where we'll be five years from now, but I think that I'm actually, at the moment, I'm doing online courses, but I'm doing much more with my illustration and artwork, and I'm starting to use some of those platforms for... Uh, sharing artwork. There's uh, Behance, which is, uh, as you know, is uh, associated with Adobe.com. And then there's like all these uh, uh, print-on-demand sites like uh, Society6, Threadless, and, and some of these other ones. And it's funny because I'm a complete newbie to those sites, but I'm using everything that I learned the past two and a half years building, uh, you know, an audience on the online platforms to help me be a newbie on those sites. So I'm not getting discouraged, you know, my my first week on Society6 where, you know, you're, you're coming across people who have thousands of followers and they're selling uh, their designs like hotcakes and it's because they've been on there a while and they've built it up over time. So, you know, you can't walk into anything expecting like it's going to be this instant success. So that's been really helpful. So I'm hoping that uh, in five years' time, I will still be teaching in person, I'll still be teaching online, and uh, maybe doing a lot more illustration and design work and, and uh, have much more of an online presence with my artwork as well. Perfect. Well, I'm excited, and I know you're going to have success on those other new platforms you talk about. Uh, so I'm excited to just follow your journey or continue following your journey. So for everyone listening, just remind us where people can follow you. And then also if you have any other inspirational blogs or books or things that you think the listeners would enjoy. Okay, well, uh, uh, I'm going to plug your book. And you have to give me the title again. Uh, so that was uh, one of the first books that I used for getting started teaching online. And I thought it was really realistic and helpful. And it covers making the courses, but also the marketing aspect. So it's pretty well-rounded and it's it, it didn't take me forever to read. It was one of those books, your book I used to read in uh, Rome 
in my morning coffee bar every day before work for like maybe 15 minutes while I was having my coffee. So can you tell me uh, again the title of your book? Well, that's the Teach Online, Make Money, Doing What You Love book. I really need to update it, but it's based off of what I started doing. Uh, and a lot of it, it's still exactly what I'm doing today. So it is still a valuable resource for people. And actually, people can check that out by going to my site, videoschoolonline.com and going to the resources page. It's on there. So I appreciate that. Yeah, no, because it's it's a, it covers everything. And I, I like in particular that you start out saying, hey, you know, your first goal should be, uh, you know, being able to pay for an extra dinner in a restaurant every month. And then you, you know, you, I really did use that, like, you know, start out with a small goal and then see if you can beat that goal. So then, okay, can I make a hundred? Okay. Can I consistently make 200 a month? Oh, I made 500 a month. Can I get to a thousand? That uh, was really helpful for me. So definitely, even if it needs updating, it's a super useful resource. Um, my stuff can be found at kpalana.com. That's K-P-A-L-A-N-A.com. Or you can just search my name on Udemy. Everything's all linked up. Um, for anyone, uh, I know there's actually a lot of people that would like to be more of a, the, the expression is digital nomad, where you work from anywhere in the world. Um, part of the reason I started researching online courses is because I didn't know where we were going after Rome. So I thought, how can I make a living if I don't know where I'm going to be moving to? It's not like there's a physical place that I can go to and apply to. So if you're interested in working abroad and living abroad, I have one book on the topic right now called Free at Last, Live, Love, and Work Abroad as a 21st Century Global Citizen. Um, and it's kind of an intro to the topic. So if you're uh, for people who can't travel for whatever reason, they're stuck in their hometown. I actually have a whole chapter just on that, like when you can't travel, to people just taking their first trip, to people who are thinking about maybe working abroad, volunteering abroad, studying abroad. Maybe you'll be like me, you'll like fall in love or something and get married abroad, have kids abroad. It's all covered in that first book. And I'm actually finishing up the second book now, which is just about working abroad. So it's much more in depth. So there's all that. You can find it on my website. Cool. Well, I'm really interested in that book now, too, and I can't wait for your next one. So thank you for that. And thank you so much for being on the show. And we'll have you on again in the future to see where you're at. Cool. Thank you so much for having me. I love being here. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember, there's no better way to learn how to create and sell online courses than heading over to onlinecoursemasters.com and downloading your free seven-step guide to success. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen and make sure to leave a rating. If you do, I might even read it on a future show. Help us reach our first 100 ratings. It'll just take one extra minute of your time. Thanks, have a beautiful day, and we'll see you next week on the next episode.